The hits literally keep on coming. From one boxing event to the next, they grow in excitement and anticipation. And this weekend is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the ring Saturday night. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. That's bet $1, and if the fighter of your choice wins, cash $55 to your account. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $55 when placing a bet of $1 on this weekend's big fight. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. How are you feeling today, buddy? I'm feeling tired. I got my second uh, COVID vac- vaccine yesterday, and I, f- I felt some of the side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that doesn't deter anyone from getting it. You should still get your vaccine, but uh, put it this way, it's just made me feel hungover today if that makes sense to anyone. Um, to be but, completely honest, I feel like most of our listenership knows exactly what it feels like to be hungover, <laughs> especially considering some of them share fandom with the Pittsburgh Pirates, so you definitely yep. know what it feels to be hungover. But it's gl- good to hear that you're doing all right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there previously. No, you're good. I'm just I'm fully vaxxed. And yeah, no, the, the side effects shouldn't deter anyone. They're not terrible. They're not terrible, terrible, um, at least for Pfizer. I got the Pfizer one. Um, the most I had was just a rough night sleeping and that was about mm-hmm. it. And my arm's sore, but that happens with any shot you get. I'll be able to let everybody know what the second Moderna shot does Ooh. to me in a couple of weeks, because I have that scheduled for, I believe, uh, two weeks from, from now. So we'll, we'll definitely get into that when that occurs, <laughs> probably at the beginning of the postseason. but we have some regular season play to talk about. We have a recap of the Penn's flyers on deck, plus a preview of the upcoming final series of the regular season between the Penguins and the Buffalo Sabres. And then we will go in from that into our interview with Josh Yoey of the Athletic Pittsburgh, a great interview that we had talking to him about where the Penguins are at right now and where they need to be going into the postseason. It's going to be a fun conversation. I hope you guys stay tuned for that. And then we're going to finish off with what might be one of the most anticipated shout-outs and call-out segments ever. I'm very excited. And the best part about that segment is we don't know what the other one has chosen, so it can <laughs> be a blindside. So it's going to be an interesting one for sure. But let's start it off with a recap of the Penn's Flyer series that happened earlier in the week. A back-to-back series for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Monday night, it was not looking good for the boys in black and gold as they lost 7-2 to 
in what I think is the definition of a letdown game. Horwat, what did you think about this performance? Uh, yes, I mean, aside from the fact that we both kind of called the one and one for the series, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was definitely a letdown. And I, I'm going to add a little extra to the letdown because I went out to a bar and watched this game. Oh, me and Megan and um, our buddy Matt, we all said, "Hey, let's just go to the bar and watch the game because we can kind of do that now again." Um, and then I remembered why I hate going to bars to watch hockey games because a everyone speaks about things they don't know about. And B, the Penguins suck whenever I try and do something special with them. Well, if people didn't know what they were kind of talking about, you know what you should have done is direct them to this podcast to help (laughs) further educate them. That way, when they go to the bar, they can throw out the educated things that we say. And I say that kind of sarcastically because I'm not sure I can technically classify most things I say as educated but I, I like to think so. I will say also, it, it was definitely a weird crowd because it was the Monday night crowd. So, I mean, it was a, it was a weird decision for us to go to the bar. But, I mean, mm-hmm. we went there with the sole purpose of watching the game, eating yeah. some food and a beer or two. But when you get to the bar on a Monday night and you realize it's the Monday crowd that's there, it's, it, things change because the Monday crowd is a little different than the weekend crowd at a bar. Hey, I used to have the Monday shift when I worked at Redbeards, and some the people that came in were, for the most part, all nice people. That's but it fair. was definitely a different crowd than the weekend crowd. Yes, definitely different. Anyway, yeah, hockey talk, though. That's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm also very tired, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> um, yes, hockey talk. Uh, it was definitely a letdown game. I mean, mm-hmm. you go into it knowing that um, we don't need the win, because we're in the playoffs. We don't need to really worry about a playoff spot or not. It's all just for positioning at this point. But you then you realize, oh, wait, we, we suck right now. We're not looking good. There's no other real way of putting it. Um, it just wasn't a fun game, and it wasn't a fun game to watch. It wasn't a fun game to be around other people for, and it wasn't um, entertaining. You texted me saying you were watching the ESPN Plus. Yeah with and you said keith you said it's unbearable to watch you said keith jones is unbearable to watch or however you put it yes. and i just responded with you mean keith jones or the game because both of which were very much unbearable for the first time in a while i turned it off after two periods you turned it off i thought you were at a bar how'd you turn it off we left sorry i guess i should say we oh, okay left. we left for a second, but yeah didn't put it back on yeah, that's fair enough. And it was just a not a good game from the outset. Like I said, definition of a letdown game. If you're coming off of a back-to-back a series against the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals, both teams of which you're fighting for positioning in the East, and you come off of those against a Flyers team that has nothing left to play for, nothing left to lose, I should say, as they have been eliminated from playoff contention after a very disappointing season, They're going to come out firing, and they did, and it showed. They put up a touchdown on the Pittsburgh Penguins. They put up four goals on Casey DeSmith, and even even bigger than that, Casey DeSmith was injured in Monday night's game. While, yes, I understand that during the playoffs, your backup goalie isn't necessarily the number one priority, but we already talked about how thin the Penguins are at goaltending behind Casey DeSmith, and we saw Maxime Lagasse back up Jari on Tuesday because DeSmith wasn't able to go. So we don't know the extent of which DeSmith is injured, but he did not look good. And then, of course, the injury happening, it's not a good sign for the Pittsburgh Penguins who need to keep players healthy and need to kind of put an end to players getting injured because we also saw the first game without Mike Matheson on Monday and Mark Friedman was able to jump back into the lineup for his third game as a Pittsburgh Penguin. 
oddly enough, he's played four games now with the Penguins, and all four have been against his former team, the Flyers, who have a bone to pick with him for some reason. Apparently. I, I guess, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Of course, the other storyline of that game of Guinea Malkin able to rejoin the lineup after missing 23 games. I do have down here what their record was without of Guinea Malkin. It was 16-5-2. and two. Horat, do you remember when Malkin first went down with injury against the Bruins? How cautiously kind of scared we were a little bit as to what we were going to see over the next little while with Malkin injured. And what we saw was the Pittsburgh Penguins are a really deep team that have scoring that can come from basically anywhere. Yeah. We really proved to be a deeper team than even we expected because Malkin goes down. And this was before we pick up Jeff Carter, obviously Um, Frederick Goudreau comes in like a bat out of hell. I mean, there was, Anthony Angelo for a little while doing the thing. There was, I know I'm missing someone, but Redeem Zahorna played. Redeem Zahorna, well. that's the one. Yeah, like all these guys came in out of nowhere and just kind of proved to be good depth options, be good first men up, um, which will be important going into the playoffs if more injuries mount. I mean, let's be honest with it. At this point, it's not a jinxing thing about talking about injuries, but it's a point of, so who's gonna get hurt? That's the real question anymore because someone's bound to. And we need to know that we have these guys that can fill in the spots. And we do, thankfully, um, on both the forward and defensive core. But when Malkin went down, yeah, I think we were all a little hesitant on what is actually going to happen here because he was playing very well. And, you know, thankfully guys were able to step up more, some more than others and really prove themselves to this team. I mean, Jerry McCann playing center for a handful of games is not, you know, it's not the ideal situation for this team this year it took the Jeff Carter trade to really um, not put everything back on track, but, you know, rebirth a little, little confidence in this team almost in the depth options. It was very interesting to watch this season, I guess. The Penguins were stemming the tide and they were holding the dam with that, with Jared McCann at center. And he played very well at center whenever he was there, but historically he has been better when he's been allowed to play wing, especially the lesser defensive responsibility helps him out as well because it lets him kind of play a little bit more loose in the neutral zone, lets him set certain things up in the offensive zone and gets his shot a little bit more usable in the game. But when Carter came over, that kind of changed everything where the Penguins now seemed like a team that was ready to go to the playoffs even without Evgeny Malkin. It, It had some players or not players, I should say, but it's had some people in Penguins Twitter saying, oh, maybe we don't need a Malkin, which is asinine. <laughs> it should not be a comment that is ever made. Malkin is a Hall of Famer, but yeah, he does come back on Monday night. They lose 7-2. to You have given a voice a little bit to those certain fans on Penn's Twitter that said, oh, they were better without Malkin, but clearly they needed to wait until to see the response, and the response was a 7-3 to win on Tuesday night. The Penguins playing all the right ways on Tuesday night in the way that they were not playing any of the right ways on Monday. But this game kind of started to harken back to the Penn's Flyers of old, maybe the 2012 Penn's Flyers. It got really chippy on this second game, the eight of eight games between these two teams this season. Like I said earlier, the Flyers have nothing really to play for. They're going to go out there and they're going to get chippy. They're going to play a little bit more loose because what's going to happen if they lose? They add another loss to their record. It doesn't really make a difference. They're kind of on an island in their positioning. They're not really going to catch the New York Rangers. They're not going to fall below 
the New Jersey Devils. So they're on an island with where they're at. Why do they care? They're going to go out there. They're going to play hard. They're going to lay bodies on the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they're going to look to try to win the game. And for a while there, it looked like they had a chance, especially after the Penguins went up three to nothing. Mm-hmm. And then Philly started coming back. They made it, what, three to two at one point, and then four to three at another point. So yeah. they were not out of this game until late when the Pittsburgh Penguins were able to put in some extra goals and put in some insurance goals. But the one thing that I saw on Tuesday night that was encouraging was the reemergence of the Sidney Crosby line, which had taken about two or three games off in recent memory, other than Brian Russ being able to go out on Saturday, but specifically Sidney Crosby getting a three point night, including two good goals and a beautiful assist to John Marino on that late power play goal. It was nice to see that line clicking on all cylinders, especially considering it was getting, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it was getting help from all three players on that line. Contributions? Contributions, exact. I don't know why I couldn't think of that <laughs> word. No, you're good. I mean, you're right. That that line being not productive over the, over the previous few games is not ideal because it's your top line. It is, at one point, I don't know if it still is or not, but at one point, they were the only trio in hockey um, in the NHL that all had 20 goals mm-hmm. or more it not even you know the Bruins line was able to do that not even McDavid Drysaddle and whoever they decide to put with them could hold up to that um, just those three the only ones that could hit three goals or more on their first line so or 20 goals or more on the first line it's not ideal when something like that is not producing it's you want mm-hmm. to see those guys produce and the fact that they were able to finally pick it back up on uh, Tuesday it was a great sign. I mean, at one point, I think I thought to myself that um, Crosby and Gensel might go back and forth for the team leading goals so much that they screw around and win the Rocket. I mean, it seemed like it was going to be very back and forth between those two in that game, and um, it was fun. I mean, there was, I think it was Josh Yeah, we put the piece out that said Crosby was in a slump. He kind of needed this, mm-hmm. this uh, three-point night. It was a three-point night, two goals and an assist. Yeah, he needed that, and it's very true. I mean, he owns the city of Philadelphia, always well, and it's good to get this sort of firepower going going into the playoffs. It's funny that you say that he owns the city of Philadelphia. There was a certain event, other than him putting points on the board against the Flyers, that kind of caught the attention of people across the league, and that was the whole thing between Sidney Crosby and Travis Konechny. And how people started trying to draw similarities between that and what Tom Wilson did on Monday, which we'll get into, I'm sure, in the shout-outs and call-outs. Even if we don't, we, we, we should bring it up. But listen, this is so vastly different of a situation Yes. that, yes, it's not good. I'd rather Crosby not bounce somebody's head off the ice in the way that he was. Right. But also, it's more of a face wash than it is a punch to the back of the head from what I saw. And, and here's the other thing. Travis Konechny had just previously slew-footed Brian Rust, which got no attention, no penalty, mm-hmm. nothing. And then he also was on top of Sidney Crosby hanging on him like it was an actual NCAA wrestling match. He had his arm in a weird contorted position. And if you're Sidney Crosby, who's about to try to go for his fourth Stanley Cup, you don't want to blow your shoulder out or blow an elbow out because this freaking idiot is sitting there hanging on you because he has nothing else to do but be a prick. 
So mm -hmm. yeah, I would get pretty upset too. And then of course, Konechny in the matter of doing that also rips Crosby's helmet off. A guy with history of concussion, probably not too happy whenever somebody else is doing that to him. But this is who Travis Konechny has been, at least when he's played the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's been a pest and he knows it. And he even his face looks exactly like it. Him and Brad Marchand are built and appear the perfect way to be a pest in this league. And that's exactly what Travis Konechny was doing on Tuesday night. And yes, Crosby turned around being the bigger guy, being the stronger individual, was able to shake free. And while Konechny was still holding on to him, yes, he took his hand and shoved Konechny's head into the ice a couple times. I don't like that. I wish that he wouldn't do that. Correct. Do I understand why he has that reaction? Yes, because Konechny almost put him in a position to be injured going into the playoffs when Konechny has a golf round lined up for a week and a half from today, his first of probably many over the summer. So I understand the frustration. It does not look good on the Penguins captain. I could see possibly if they were going to try to find him. I don't see them finding him anywhere close to what Tom Wilson got fined, but I could see them giving a fine for roughing. They didn't, at least as of now. But no, they're not going to. If they didn't already, they're not going to. Yeah, they, they that stuff gets handled early quickly. on in the day. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to, to kind of close out my opinion on this, no, it, it's not something that we should be happy that Crosby was doing. But do I understand protecting yourself in that instance? Yes, because Konechny was putting him in a position that he could have seriously been injured. Yeah. It, people only look at the image of Cro the image and uh, video of Crosby doing what he did, not the beginning of it when. Um, Konechny literally had him in a chokehold, basically. I don't want to be a little kid and say, oh, Konechny started it. He started it, but he did. There's no other way of putting it. Yeah. You retaliate the way you feel you should retaliate. Maybe in that sort of situation, you kind of black out a little in your head. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of this, a lot of the retaliation of it, I don't even know how to put it, just the outcry that social media has had on it, um, I think is in large part, just due to poor timing. If this would have, if that would have happened next week, you know, the or the week before, not the literal day after the whole Tom Wilson saga kicked off, not literally an hour and a half after the Rangers put out their statement. It, if none of that had happened, or if the timeline was a little different, the comparisons aren't getting made to this sort of level. They might get a little bit. I mean, you know, Hockey Troll and Polly Cupcakes both sent were basically sending out that video of Crosby doing it to Subban in the finals. Um, but again, much different situation because, yeah, I I said to Polly and Troll, yeah, you know, Crosby shouldn't be doing that because that's not, you know, someone with concussions should know what sort of head um, issues can come from stuff like that, but it's a bad situation that you don't want your star to be in. And if he has to defend himself, he has to defend himself. Did he do it right or wrong? That's not up to us to answer. It's just a bad situation with bad timing, especially on this, on this new occasion. Um, it sucks. Tom Wilson's a piece of shit. Uh, I'm going to make that hard left in just saying that. And I, with the Tom Wilson thing, I don't think I've ever seen this much outcry against it. Like, yeah, anytime something happens, there's a good amount of people discussing it, but this, it's hit a different level this time, it seems. 
Yeah. Well, let, let's put a pause on the Tom Wilson talk and save that because I'm sure we're going to get into it in shout outs versus call outs. And if we don't, like I said, that's how we're going to end the show no matter what. Okay. We're yeah. ending the show on Tom Wilson talk. But let's continue to talk a little bit about the Tuesday night game. A great goal by Jason Zucker that I do want to highlight because mm-hmm. there is a lot of people in this fan base that have gotten hard on Jason Zucker. And listen, he has played well the past couple of weeks, but he hasn't been able to finish. And I understand that finishing is the important part of playing the game. You, you're not a goal scorer unless right. you score goals. And Jason Zucker is supposed to be a goal scorer for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but a beautiful goal on Tuesday night. Great feed by Evgeny Malkin on a turnover forced by Kasperi Kapanen. And that line had a pretty good night on Tuesday as well. And that makes goals in back-to-back games for Jason Zucker. I believe he has now nine on the season, which, yes, it is not what we expected. It is not what we hoped for, but he's dealt with injuries. He has had a little area where he was struggling for a long time, where he wasn't even playing as well as he had these past two weeks without the goals. So, yes, Jason Zucker, I feel like, is turning a corner. He's starting to be able to finish a lot better, and I think a big portion of that is due to him playing with Evgeny Malkin, who's been able to pick up multiple assists in his first two games back from injury. So all things are looking good for the Penguins' second line, and it's nice to see Jason Zucker get on the scoreboard. I hate seeing this feud about Jason Zucker. Why can't we just be happy with the fact that he is not a crappy hockey player? He is a great hockey player, and he has the opportunity – to be a very important role player and play an in very integral role in the Penguins postseason this year. And if he does stuff like he did on Monday and Tuesday with the goals that he scored, then he's going to. It's people want to um, tear him down because you're not allowed to be a, you're not allowed to have a down season on this team. Apparently, according to a lot of people in a lot of people's eyes, um, if you're getting paid, basically if you're getting paid a certain amount of money, you should be playing like a certain amount of money. Um, sometimes people just have down seasons and whenever they have their down season, the fandom turns into, you know, torches and pitchforks trying to run them out of town, trying to force every trade they can. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens with Mal- it happens with Malkin every off season, you know, for Zucker though, it's just different because maybe, maybe we know he's not kind of the permanent player. Um, that we thought he may have been last year. Whereas this year, we've seen that even without him, you know, during his injury, that we can fill the spot and still play pretty well. Mm-hmm. He only improves the lineup in a way that's, you know, it's unexpected almost. I think the the fans have seen that this team is good without him, that they're totally unafraid of just losing him for nothing. I and don't like that kind of leads into whenever I said I wouldn't protect him, you know, in the mm-hmm. expansion draft, because he is a guy that is probably isn't permanent here, but um, who knows if another team actually wants him? You have to, uh, you have to like know what your future holds and know who you want to keep around. And he's a guy that, you know, is hit or miss really in that sort of situation. And you mentioned that people kind of hold against him how much he makes. I think a lot of people also hold against him what we gave up for him. Yep. But listen, Jason Zucker is not the guy that asked for a first-round pick and Kalen Addison in return. He just wanted out of Minnesota. Whether or not he wanted out of Minnesota is also, I'm not even sure about that. But he was rumored to be on the trade market for over a year. So he gets traded to Pittsburgh. He's probably extremely happy about it because 
Now his name's not going to be in trade rumors anymore. He gets to play with either Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. And he did play really well when he first came over last year. And I think that also plays into it as well. How well he played as soon as he got here. People got their expectations up. And whenever he didn't deliver on that at the beginning of the season, people got upset. And they are still holding it against him, even though now he's starting to perform. So it's nice to see him get the results that he got on Monday and Tuesday with goals and back-to-back games. I'd love to see him continue that and score two goals, at least one in each game coming up this weekend. But I'm not sure whether he's going to or not. But as long as he keeps the play up that he has been and just continues to try to calm down with the puck so it doesn't keep rolling off his stick the way it has been, I think that is a bonus for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think that he and Evgeny Malkin have something, and especially the two of those guys with Kasperi Kapanen, there's something there for the Penguins' second line. And it helps that Jeff Carter and Jared McCann are going to also help and be great factors on the third line for the Penguins. But we have a couple, or one last thing I should say, mm-hmm. to talk about from Tuesday's game. Shane Goss despair. Oh, yeah. Skated up behind Mark Friedman, who was his former teammate, former defensive line, I guess defensive core teammate. And while Friedman was putting the puck in the back of the net for an empty netter to make it seven to three, Shane Goss's player decided that was a good time to cross check him at full speed into the boards. A very dangerous play. He, last we've seen from right now, he has a hearing with the Department of Player Safety, so you would have to imagine possibly a suspension for Shane Goss's bear, and considering at what point of the season it is, he might just be done for the season. Luckily, Mark Friedman was able to get up from that. Luckily, it doesn't seem like Mark Friedman has dealt with any injuries from that, but an absolutely awful play. That That is a dirty play right there. We've seen a lot of dirty plays throughout the early portion of this week. That right there is cut and dry, unnecessary, just cry baby crap from Shane Goss's bear there. And I, I I don't like using childish terms like you said like that, but that is absolute bitchiness from Shane Goss's bear being a, a sore loser and having a horrible season and just taking it out on his ex-teammate in Mark Friedman. It's gutless. There's no other way of putting it. That's, that's all, that's all it was. It was gutless. It sucks. Listen, everyone wanted, not wanted, everyone predicted the flyers were going to be way better than what they are. Maybe everyone thought Gosses Bear would be traded at some point this year. Maybe even he thought he'd be able to get out of this shit show. You know, I mean, at one point he was waived, you know, so mm-hmm. his season has not been what his career is supposed to be. It's not. Um, but every now and again, you see it. You see the little tussle that happens after a goal. It's going after someone after they score is in hockey, at least the it's up there with um, some of those gutless acts you can do on the ice. It's up there. It's, you know, maybe not the top, but um, it's so just, yeah, I don't know how else to put it. It's not, it, you got to have balls in this league and you just showed you have none in doing that. It was definitely, I'm checking to see if there was an update on that and there's not, but it was definitely not a play that belongs in this sport. Right. And Shane Goss despair, it is a rough season for him, and we understand that it's a rough season for that whole team. But him and Travis Connecting were just having a field day with dirty plays on Tuesday. And and listen, I don't like to call people dirty players, but Travis Connectney can border on that line. Shane Goss despair, I've seen him do some things that are questionable, never anything that blatantly dirty. So 
who knows yeah. what's going to happen there. For some reason, Mark Friedman must not have been beloved in that Philadelphia Flyers locker room because, yeah. like I said, the only games that he has played for the Pittsburgh Penguins have been against the Philadelphia Flyers and all four of them. One of them, we saw what happened yesterday and we just talked about it. The other one, he got his concussion whenever Nolan Patrick reverse hit him and straight into the head in a reverse hit and just unfortunate for Friedman. So he has been picked on very heavily by his ex-team. I don't know what he did when he was leaving Philly, but it was not received well by the Flyers. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, only four games in uh, with your new team. It's cro- you're with the cross-state rival, and uh, y- you've been a focal point in all four games. For for It's impressive. There must be something <laughs> up there that we just don't know. <laughs> well, that closes the book on the Penguins against the Flyers for this season. The Penguins do finish with a losing record at three four and one against philly on the season but they do get the last laugh being the fact that they are currently in first place in the division while philly sits in sixth place in the division and is already eliminated from playoff contention but let's talk about the matchup that the penguins have coming up next the final matchup of the nhl regular season for the pittsburgh penguins it is pens versus sabers that's going to be on home ice for the pittsburgh penguins where they have succeeded so much on the season they're 2-0 against the Sabres on home ice. They're 5-1 and against the Sabres overall. This is pretty much the Penguins need to win two games if they want to give themselves a chance at the division title. How important do you think that is? Uh, I actually am not I'm not really sure how important the division title actually is. Um, it's just hard this year whenever you know, you know you're only going to be playing one of three teams. It's kind of already, I mean, the the teams are already decided. It's just a matter of uh, standings. And I think I said it last week, I anybody but Boston. <laughs> so wherever they wherever they finish up, I would like to go opposite of that. So I don't know how important winning the division title actually is, but mm-hmm. it'd be nice to do it for the first time in a long time. How about that? It would be because the Penguins have not won a division title since 2014, which was the very first season of the Metropolitan Division. Ever since then, the Washington Capitals have won the division every single year. The Penguins have finished in second a couple of years, including in 2016 and 2017, but they haven't had a division title since 2014. So taking care of business against the Sabres, something you would expect to happen, but Buffalo is coming in hot off of a sweep of the New York Islanders. Goalie Michael Hauser himself is on fire in his first two NHL games. He went 2-0 with a 940 save percentage at a 2.40 goals allowed average. And like I said, that was in his first two NHL games, both against the Islanders earlier this week. He is 28 years old from Youngstown, Ohio. So technically, from NHL standards, he is a area boy for the Pittsburgh Penguins, if you count. Played Youngstown in is close, and he played in Wexford. So yes, that is kind of a great story for the Sabres who have not had many great stories so far this year and getting to finish out his season. I would imagine he probably plays in both games to end the season. Why not? I mean, the guy has played extremely well so far, let him finish yeah. out the season. And he has mainly been a coast league goalie for his entire career for the past decade. He has been in the ECHL from team to team and finally gets a shot with the Buffalo Sabres who have had so many issues with injured goaltenders this year that finally gives him the shot, and Michael Hauser has taken it, went out, beat the Islanders, put them in fourth place in the division. Now he's going to try to play spoiler on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Huh, I didn't realize he was that old. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I thought he was like a newly, uh, like a new draft pick guy. That's cool, though. 
uh, being able to, you know, really just grind it out and make his way there. That's is uh, Tukarski still. Is he the he's, backup then? He's with them. I don't think they really have a starter or backup as of right now. I think they just play whoever they can that night because it's the Buffalo Sabers, man. Yeah, I know, but you got to figure. It's fun that they have two guys that. Um, it's like the only thing fun about this team right now. They have two guys in net that really grinded it out to be where they are. Yeah, it's on the worst team in the league, but it's still something. I mean, they're in the NHL. Um, Tokarski and Hauser being able just to grind their way all the way up. It's it's notable. That's impressive stuff. While I know and I always say that iron sharpens iron in this league, and I truly believe that that has been the case this year for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the East Division, I understand that the Buffalo Sabres are – like lead from a lead pencil in that analogy, but the penguins need to stay sharp against them. Not only because you want to get home ice advantage, not only because it would be nice to be able to say you won the division title and get home ice advantage in the first and possibly second round, but you have a layoff coming up following these games. It's going to be at least a week before the first playoff game. So you need to go out as sharp as you possibly can be. We saw a little bit of that on Tuesday we saw the opposite of that on Monday. So if the Penguins can go out and play like they did on Tuesday, the next two games to finish off the season at home, that's what they need to do. They need the confidence going into the postseason. They need to be able to go into the postseason firing on all cylinders, especially, like I said, with that layoff coming up, you want to go into it after two dominant victories over the Buffalo Sabres. Horwath, anything else you want to say about this matchup coming up? I know it is the Sabres. It is kind of... A let not even a letdown matchup, but it's a lot lower of a priority matchup than the last three series have been with Boston, Washington, and Philly. But what do you think about this series coming up? Obviously, let's let's do our predictions. What do you think the Penguins are going to do in these two games against Buffalo? Oh, what are they going to do? Boy, I'm hoping for a nice, clean 2-0. I'm going to say that's what happens. I mean, the Michael Hauser thing would be interesting, just but um. I think the Pens can get it done. Maybe maybe they don't play everyone in the last game. Maybe it is a 1-1, but it's still Buffalo. You got to be able to handle it. I'm hoping 2-0. I expect a 2-0 series as well. I'm not 100% sure that the Penguins are going to sit anybody because of the time that they have off. You clearly don't want anybody to get injured, but at the same time, with that layoff, you want people to get experience, especially with Evgeny Malkin. I don't think he's coming out of the lineup just because just getting back from injury. You want to get him as much game experience as possible. And I think the same thing can be said for Tristan Jari because the playoffs mm-hmm. are coming up. He's going to have to carry the load. There's going to be that layoff. I think he starts both of these games, especially considering he didn't start on Monday against Philly and he would not have played on Monday against Philly if it wasn't for DeSmith's injury. I think you see Tristan Jari in both games. I think you see Evgeny Malkin in both games. I think you see the Penguins full lineup in both games because these are tune-ups for the playoffs. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are not a team right now that is without flaw. So I think they need to get on the ice, all 20 of them that are fully, all of them that are healthy. And the Penguins need to put their top lineup out there against the Sabres and try to sure up home ice advantage, sure up the division title, sure up anything that they can sure up in these last two games. Yeah, I like that. Especially with the week off we have coming up. Um, I guess you do just have to get as much gameplay in as possible because, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, it's Buffalo, but you're, you just finished your last hardest game of the season until the playoffs starts. Like, let's be honest. 
Buffalo yeah, hasn't played poorly lately either. Even if you go back before those yeah. two wins over the Islanders, I mean, they beat the Penguins, they beat the Bruins at one point, they beat the Capitals at one point. So they've played better as of yeah. late. Yeah, for sure. It's still just you kind of played the last. You, how about this? We'll call it. You just played your last meaningful game, real meaningful game until the playoffs start over a week away. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you get as much game time as you can in and. Yeah, I like the idea of playing everyone. I've, I am gonna keep forgetting that there's a week off until the playoffs, <laughs> until it happens. Well, we're gonna fill that week off with hopefully some really good interviews, getting ready for the postseason. I know we have a couple of recurring guests that we want to bring on, and then we have definitely somebody from the network. But depending on who we're playing, we're gonna to want to bring somebody from the network on. So it'll be a fun week, even though it's an off week. We'll have plenty of content for you. But right now, we're gonna take a quick break. When we return, our interview with Josh Yoey of The Athletic, so stay tuned for that. And then, of course, later, we have shout-outs and call-outs. But as of right now, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We are joined now by a very special guest as we welcome on Josh Yoey of The Athletic. Josh, how's it going today? Uh, I'm very well, Nick and Nick. How are you? Uh, we're doing good. Doing We're doing good in this hectic news day that we've had, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, we're here to have you on for talks and penguins heading into the playoffs. Um and I'm just going to jump right into my first question, which is, in your words, just how impressive has the Penguins' 15-year playoff streak been? It really has. I don't know that we talk about it enough. And I know that qualifying for the playoffs in the NHL is maybe easier than Major League Baseball or something like that. I, I get half the teams get in. But if you look at the Penguins' division over the years, uh, I mean, during this Crosby era, they've always had the Capitals with Ovechkin. And they've always had the Rangers who are going to spend as much as they can and always have good players. Um, the Flyers, for all the Penguins fans hate them, are typically a pretty well-run, consistently good organization. So it's not like they've been in a division with also Rands. Um, they have really good franchises in this division. And just the consistency that we see from the Penguins every single year, um, it's it's been quite a story. And I, I know the Penguins – gauge themselves on championships and not much else they don't really spend a lot of time talking about their their playoff streak but but uh, it's an impressive thing and one day when we look back at Crosby's career and Malkin's career and we we list all of their achievements I I promise you this one will be on there it absolutely have to be even like the down years it would have to be no 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 question I mean I of all the teams the Penguins have had in the Crosby era to me there was like one team that just absolutely was not a Stanley Cup contender that was the team that had to beat Buffalo in 2015 just to get into the playoffs. That was kind of a shaky year for them. But but other than that, you know, they're always relevant. They're always one of the 10 best teams in hockey, usually one of the five best teams in hockey. You can do that for a few years, like Chicago for, you know, six or seven years, they had an incredible run. But to do it for 15, um, that that's something a little different. And uh, it's really an impressive achievement, uh, especially in the salary cap era to me which really kind of evens the playing field a little bit. Um, but they're just always part of the story every year. 
Well, going into this year, their 15th straight playoffs, what is the biggest weakness that you see on this team right now? They're they're not without flaw, neither is any other team in the playoffs this year, but what is the one that the Penguins have to really address going into game one of round one? Well, a couple of things. I don't know if I'd use the word weakness, but I mm-hmm. think when you look at the goaltending, there's uncertainty there. Tristan Jari's only ever played one playoff game. Casey DeSmith's never played a playoff game, and now he's banged up, so... You know, I, I like Jari. I think he's a really good goaltender. I think he's a legit number one NHL goalie. He's a very talented guy. And the good news is he did get that game of playoff experience last year. Maybe that will count for something. And he did win a Memorial Cup many years ago. And, and to play in that kind of a pressure-filled situation and to play well like he did, um, that's probably some kind of an indication that he, he can handle the stress of the, of the postseason. But he's never done it. So... If he has to play Tuka Rask in the first round of the playoffs, you're going to give Boston the goaltending advantage. You, you just are because, you know, he's he's won a lot of playoff games in his life. He's a veteran. He's been around. So that's one area that jumps out to me. And the other area, if we're talking to weaknesses for the Penguins, their penalty killing has been pretty bad all season. And who knows how many penalties will be called in the playoffs. Well, you know, the, the stereotypical thing to say is, well, they're not going to call anything in the playoffs. But if you look at the numbers, they actually do. Um, special teams can make a huge difference in the playoffs. The Penguins have a, a very gifted power play. We know that penalty kill has not been good this season at all. Um, and whoever they play in the playoffs, well, maybe not the Islanders, but, but if they get Boston or Washington, they're going to have to deal with a very talented power play. So I think uh, the way they kill penalties uh, is going to perhaps determine just what kind of a run they can make. Yeah. You had just mentioned the three other teams in the playoffs um, in the East. How do the Penguins fare against those teams, and how important is home ice advantage this season? Well, it is. It's Look at these four teams in the division. Their home records are all like unbelievably good, especially the Penguins and Islanders. Like It's off the charts. So, yeah, that makes a difference. And, and of course, we don't know who they're going to play yet. We probably won't know until next Tuesday after Washington and Boston are, are done with the final game of the regular season in this division. Um, the Islanders right now, to me, are clearly the weakest of the four. And that's who anybody would want to play. They can't score. Um, I, the loss of Anders Lee was a big deal. Uh, they're still going to be a pain to play in a playoff series. You know how they're good defensively. They're well coached, of course, with Barry Trotz. So it's not what I would consider an easy series. But I would certainly consider the Penguins the favorite if they were to play them. Uh, I really believe the Penguins match up well with Washington. They won 6-2 and two against them this season. And I, I felt like it even before the season. I don't like the Capitals' blue line. I don't think it's that good. Just a bunch of big, slow guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't keep up with the Penguins forwards. I really believe that. I, I just think it's a great matchup for the Penguins. And y- you know who the problem is, and that, that's the Boston Bruins. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we see it every year. The Penguins are not comfortable playing against them. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mike Sullivan's going to match his top line against Boston's top line. Well, guess what? Penns fans don't want to hear this. Boston's top line is better than the Penguins' top line. It's probably the best line in hockey. It's a bad matchup. Tuka Rask might be in the Penguins' heads a little bit, and the Penguins don't like playing in that building at TD Garden. We know that. And the Bruins, they just know how to get under the Penguins' skin, but they know how to get away with stuff. Latang flips his lid every single time they play. Like, Marchand knows how to get under his skin. They just, they just know what buttons to push for the Penguins. So I'm not saying the Penguins wouldn't beat them. It's probably a 50-50 series. But if you're a Penguins fan, I'm telling you right now, that's if I'm a Penguins fan, I'd rather come in second place and not play Boston than come in first place and get Boston. I don't think Boston is going to come in fourth anyway, but it's just a bad matchup. 
it's definitely one that we've looked at this season as one of the teams that the Penguins have struggled against the most. I mean, they're tied between them and Philly for their worst record that the Penguins have had against a division opponent. But in these playoffs, do you think, even if the Penguins don't square up in round one, if they get deeper in the playoffs, do you think they'd fare better deeper against Boston or in a first round matchup against Boston? Boy, that's a great question. And there are so many variables with health. Uh, honestly, I'd almost rather play them in the first round. If you have to play them, I don't know. Uh, why not? Usually that first round series is nasty to begin with. Maybe that'd be the way to go. But I, I don't know because, um, you know, it depends on the health of Mike Matheson, for instance. Mike Matheson has become a very important member of the Penguins. I can't believe, I wouldn't have said this three months ago. I'd be surprised that I'm saying it. But I mean, he's been so good in the last six weeks. He's been one of their best defensemen. And so with him out of the lineup, that's a problem. He's week to week, whatever that means. So could he be back for the first round? Maybe, maybe not. Um, that, to me, makes a huge difference. Um, and while we're talking about Pittsburgh-Boston, to me, the ultimate variable in such a meeting is Evgeny Malkin. Because you know that Bergeron line is going to give Crosby's lines fits. You, you just know that going in. And you know Boston's a good team. But the one thing, you know, they've got some talent other than that top line. They've got Taylor Hall now. But they don't have Evgeny Malkin. And – the Penguins always need Malkin to put up numbers against Boston because the Crosby line just typically is going to be held in check. I mean, if they play the perfection line 50-50, you're probably happy with that. So that means Malkin is just always important against the Bruins. He's played a couple of games. He looked okay. I mean, I, he clearly doesn't have his legs yet, but uh, he, he might be the difference in this entire postseason. Do you and, think putting Malkin back on the top power play and it was the right move? Because I know that's been a, you know, bit of a talking point. Like, what does it make sense to have him on the first one or how would he fare on his own second unit? Yeah. You know, people were asking me about that a couple of weeks ago and I said, you know what? I would just leave it as is. They're clicking at 30% and right on cue, the couple of games before he comes back, the power play does nothing. And it actually looked really good with him on it against Philly. Um, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence there, but you know, my theory has always been with him. And I know people have talked over the years about having multiple power play units but when you've got two of the greatest players of all time on your team and the other team only has four guys on the ice, like you should be able to make it work. Mm -hmm. it, you just should. So I'm okay with leaving Malkin on that top unit. Um, and, you know, there, there's this uh, perception out there that, oh, Gino might screw things up when he comes back. Like, personally, that drives me crazy. But listen, I know he can, he can be a high-risk player and he makes his mistakes. There's no question about it. I promise you the Penguins aren't going to win the Stanley Cup without him. I, I, I just promise you they need him. And don't forget, before he was injured, the Penguins were playing very well. And I think he had 12 points in eight games. He, he was playing at a very high level before the injury. If he can get back close to that level with the chemistry he has with Kasperi Kapanen, uh, look out. That, that, that gives the Penguins some serious lineup depth. No matter who they match up against in this first round, whether it be the Bruins who we talked about or the Islanders or even the Capitals, depth is going to be as always with Mike Sullivan teams, a key factor for this team. And one of the players that is a key part of that is Brandon Tanev, who is still fighting to possibly return to the lineup. Is there a chance that he moves to that second line? I know there have been kind of rumblings of that being a possibility, or is he destined to rejoin Bluger and Aston Reese on the fourth line? There's a chance. That's what I, I've always been wanting to experiment with Tanev there because I, I just don't like Jason Zucker on that line. And I like Zucker. I, I plays really hard. He's a good player. I see no chemistry with him and Malkin at all, personally. Um, my guess is 
that Mike Sullivan will put Tanev where he always puts him with Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese. That that is a you have like any comfort foods when you're in a bad mood, like he just mm-hmm. eats ice cream or whatever, right? Yeah. That's his comfort line. Like yeah. when things aren't going right, he just puts those guys out there because he knows they're good together, they're great defensively. Um, and that's fine if that's what he wants to do. Um, that, that gives the Penguins some serious depth because I think those three guys, that's a pretty decent third line at the NHL level, in my opinion. To have that as your fourth line um, with maybe, you know, Carter and McCann and Rodriguez perhaps on your third line. Uh, wow, that, that's serious depth. This is the deepest Penguins team, theoretically, that we've seen in years. And, and you know that you need that when the playoffs show up. So I'm interested to see the line configurations. I also want to see if they keep Friedman in the lineup. If Matheson isn't back, that surprised me a little bit. I I thought they might go with POJ, but he's been okay. I I haven't really seen enough of Friedman to make up my mind, to be honest with you. But my guess is, to answer your question, I think you'll see Tanov, Aston, Reese, and Bluger together. I've always just been intrigued by the idea of Tanov on Malkin's line. Because Tanov, I know he doesn't have the greatest hands. But he is so fast, and, you know, he creates so many turnovers. And Shane Gossespierre just got suspended two games, by the way. We'll talk about that later. But uh, <laughs> yes, he's a worse defender than Tom Wilson now. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, Tanum, Tanum's a difference maker no matter where you put him in the lineup. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, and you had brought up one of the names that I was going to ask about. What is the Evan Rodriguez situation, and where does he fit into the lineup um, when he returns, and does he maybe fit into that second line uh, yeah, situation? I don't think his injury is serious by the sounds of things. He should be fine for the playoffs, and I give him credit. Uh, he has really started to play better. I, I was not a huge fan of his in January and February. I wasn't that impressed with what I was seeing. He's just so much more confident now. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Tyler Kennedy for you old-school Penguins fans. <laughs> you know, he's the one guy on the team that actually shoots the puck when he gets it. Yeah. Like, I make fun of him sometimes because he doesn't pass ever. But honest to God, the Penguins need some of that. They really do. Um, and he's a nice guy to have around. You could put him with Malkin and Kapanen. I mean, he can play the left side. I don't know. Maybe it would work. I didn't particularly like Rodriguez with Crosby and Gensel earlier in the season. That was kind of a disaster. But obviously, you're not touching your top line. Um, mm-hmm. No, Rodriguez is a guy who can play there. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up on the third line, though. I could see the third line being Carter, McCann, and Rodriguez if they want to stick with Zucker on the second line. And there's nothing wrong with that. That That's mm-hmm. a very gifted line. And Rodriguez, is, he's just a nice guy to have around. You can fill him in in the top six. If somebody gets banged up, he can play the left side or the right side. He's not a great player, but he's okay. He can, he can score a little bit. Um, I, I, I like his game right now. I appreciate it's... the Tyler Kennedy comparison. I was a big <laughs> Kennedy guy whenever he was here. Guy, huh? Yep. <laughs> It's funny that you you mentioned Evan Rodriguez in the light that you do and being able to basically fit anywhere because when we talked about Brandon Tanev possibly going to the second line, there's a certain style of player that has to unlock the capabilities of that Bluger-Aston-Reese line. And Tanev does it perfectly. But I also thought whenever he had the time on that line that Evan Rodriguez did the same thing. So even having him on that fourth line, if you want to experiment with Brandon Tanev on the third line with Carter or even as far as the second line with Malkin, I feel like Evan Rodriguez also unlocks what we like to see from Bluger and Aston Reese. Oh, that's a good point. Um, you could absolutely play him there. You could. Um, I, I, the only problem Mike Sullivan has now, he, he quite literally has not had a healthy lineup all season. And he might be about to have one, at least at forward. But now he's only got two games to tinker with his lines 
until the playoffs start. So he, he doesn't really have much time, which makes me think that he'll probably fall back on whatever is familiar. Mm-hmm. And that's why if you go with the Bluger line, as it usually is, at least you're familiar, you know what that line is, you know what your top line is with Crosby, Rustin, Gensel. So, and you know you got Malkin and Kapanen are going to be together, so it makes it a little easier to fill in your lineup if, if you're Sullivan. Um, but think about all these names we're talking about. These are good hockey players. Like this is, there's no Craig Adams on this roster. Like <laughs> this team is, this team is really, to me, from a depth standpoint, very much capable of making a long run. They they have all the variables that you need, and you no know, Rodriguez is one of those guys. Um, you, know, you you could always see the talent that he had when they acquired him from Buffalo. Then they traded him. They got him back because they liked him, and they, they just like the versatility that he brings. Yeah, he definitely brings a ton of versatility. I wasn't the biggest Rodriguez fan um, off the start, but I think that's because we gave up uh, Cahoon for him, and that um, shouldn't have been the situation. But, yeah, so this depth looks good. But, you know, we're not going to have this – um, whole interview go by and not have your opinions on the Tom Wilson situation. And now, since you brought it up, the Shane Gosses bear two game suspension. I mean, I mean, well, there's no real question other than what's what are your thoughts on well, everything? I'll start with Gosses bear. What a sneaky, dirty hit that! Like, what? Yeah. I, I just I've, I've covered a lot of hockey games in my life. I don't get worked up when he did that. I was like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, what? It was such of a cheap shot, and I don't know what Friedman did when he was in Philadelphia. <laughs> they're clearly going after him every game. And I, like I said, I, you know, COVID times, we're not even allowed in the locker room. I've never met this guy. I, maybe he's a jerk. I don't, I'm not saying he is. I, I don't know. Um, maybe the flyers are a bunch of jerks. That, that might be more likely, but like, they're just clearly taking runs at him every game. You guys remember back in like 2008, 09, when Ovechkin would just take runs at Malkin every yeah. time the Penguins. Yeah. It was so obvious there was something going on. So there's some off-the-ice issues there, I think, clearly, why they're going after Friedman. It was a dirty hit. I'm glad they suspended Gostaspera, that he deserved it. But I'm a little surprised because, you know, the precedent that was set 24 hours earlier, um, you know, and I've been I've been actually having Twitter fights. I don't have Twitter fights with people much anymore. I've, I've been actually having a couple with, I don't know, some guy from Barstool that I've never heard of and some guy from ESPN I've never heard of. Like, like comparing Tom Wilson with Sidney Crosby, it's unbelievable. Like Sidney Crosby had a man sit on him for five seconds and, you know, wouldn't get us. So they got into a wrestling match. Uh, I think what Tom did was a little different. Um, And especially with the Panarin incident to me, he knew the guy didn't have a helmet on. He looked and saw who it was and grabbed him by the hair and slammed his head into the ice. Like I'm startled by how many people in my profession have defended him. Uh, Most haven't, but some have it's just unbelievable to me. And I don't know what George Peros is thinking, what his philosophy is, but whatever it is, I don't like it. And I kind of agree with the Rangers when they said he wasn't fit for the job. I, I, I agree. I mean, that this is out of hand. Have we seen Tom Wilson do worse things? Maybe, but there's kind of a cumulative effect with him. And it's clear he hasn't changed. He hasn't learned his lesson. You saw him in the in the penalty box when he was like flexing, like just he's the biggest bully ever. And and it's hard to defend anything he does. And I will say this, and I'm not defending him, but I really believe the Capitals enable him to extreme levels. You guys remember back in February there was a game in Washington against the Penguins, and Wilson hit Jankowski really late. 
<laughs> they may have given him a penalty. I thought it could have been a suspension. He hit him really late. I mean, it's one of those, you see enough games in person, you, like our timing's pretty good. We know when there's a late hit. Like it was unbelievably late. And Ma- there was nobody in the building, so you could hear every word that was being said. So so Malkin and Wilson are dropping F-bombs on each other, which was funny. But then you hear Peter Laviolette scream about 10 times. He screams at the ref. He's allowed to hit somebody. He's allowed to hit somebody. And, and that's always the, the message that the Capitals organization sends to Wilson. It's like, it's okay, Tom, you're the victim. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. You're just a big physical guy <laughs> playing hockey the way it's meant to be played. And and these soft new age people, they, they just can't handle it. And like, no, it's, he's one of the dirtiest players in the history of the game. And when you're that dirty and you're that big, that's a bad combination. That's how people get hurt. He's hurt people a lot. And it, it it's just stunning to me that he didn't get suspended. I, I've heard all these people say, well, you know, it's the NHL. Of course they didn't suspend him. I was like, yeah, I actually thought they would this time. Like mm-hmm. I, even for them, this was very surprising to me. So it's just, it's disturbing. And, uh, you know, in a few hours, the Rangers play the Capitals. And, boy, that'll be interesting. <laughs> I'm quite fascinated to see how the Rangers decide to handle things. Especially after they fired their guys. I yeah, mean, how about that? Exactly. The Rangers thing is escalated <laughs> to other levels that people are saying that was Tom Wilson's fault. Like, I, the news today has been very interesting yeah, but that was, like i don't know why they fire them but to me the rangers are like a team on the rise yeah and i think they're very well built and i think they handled the d'angelo situation as well as possible and if panarin doesn't have that issue with russia and misses a few weeks they're probably a playoff team maybe i i, I was shocked when i saw that news especially i know john davidson pretty well a really good guy and beloved by the Rangers fans. I don't know what James Nolan's doing in, in New York, but that, wow, that's shocking news to me. It's been an interesting final week, to say the least, and it's only halfway through the final week, well, at least for the majority <laughs> of the teams. The Canadian division still has two weeks left in the season, but as far as for the rest of the league, it's been pretty interesting, and it's only Wednesday. But let's finish this interview by circling it back to Pittsburgh. If the Penguins want to win or just contend for the Stanley Cup this year, they need to blank. I'll let you fill in the blank there. Ooh. You know what? I, I could easily tell you Jari needs to be great, but you guys know that. I, I could tell you they need to be healthy, and you guys know that. Any team that wins a cup needs health and goaltending. But for me, if the Penguins are going to win the cup, the people truly in the spotlight – are Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. They're still great. Are they what they were five years ago? Probably not. Certainly not Malkin, I don't think. But if the Penguins are going to win the Cup, they need Crosby and Malkin to play like they're 25, not 34 or whatever they are. Um, and, and I think they're capable. But I just think the league is so good and the young stars in this league are so good that maybe the biggest question goes back to those two, the two guys who have always been the Penguins' best players who are so great. They, they still are, but can they still do it in the playoffs? We don't know. Two years in a row in the playoffs, they've been bad, the, the team and the superstars. So can Crosby and Malkin rise up and face Nathan McKinnon in a series and beat him, or face Austin Matthews? In a, well, sure, they can beat the Leafs because it's the Leafs, right? We don't take the loser. <laughs> but you know, can they beat a Tampa or a Carolina, Colorado, Vegas? Um I think they can. Sure, they can. But to do so, I still think Crosby and Malkin, they need to elevate their games to a place where we haven't seen them in a few years. So can they still do it? That That's the drama for me. And 
Um, it's the playoffs. We all are excited to watch, but uh, can those two turn back the clock just a little bit and uh, do what they did in 16 and 17? Uh, I don't know, but um, I can't wait to watch. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you one thing. You mentioning a Penguins avalanche and a Penguins leaf series. I don't know why I hadn't thought about that until now. I think I'm just hyper-focused on the Mass Mutual East yeah. division, um, but that would be peak entertainment. And, and that could be conference final, right? Because yeah. it's going to be yeah. recede, I think, after the first two rounds. It'd be like Pittsburgh, Colorado in the semis. How great would that be? Like, I mean, Jeez. I'd be all – no, seriously. And those are – Colorado's probably my favorite team to watch in the league, actually, so – I had the hockey fan in me uh, to see Crosby play against his buddy McKinnon in a playoff series. That would that would be okay with me. And I well, actually just randomly realized this. Hold on, I just realized this. What trophy would they be getting in that situation? Are they not going to do the? Uh... I didn't think about that. That yeah. no touching of the trophy. Yeah, I don't know. Like, which one are they even going to present? I just thought of that right now, but uh, that'll be interesting to see. What, too. what city are the Leafs going to play in, or the Oilers, or whoever? I've heard Chicago. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's oh, yeah. probably going to American City because. As yeah. somebody whose ex-wife and two kids live in Canada, I know how hard it is to get into that country right now, mm. and they don't want us there. So <laughs> the Leafs yes. or whoever comes out of that division is going to have to come play in the United States. That's almost a given. So probably, and I don't know if they'll have fans or not, if they play in Chicago or Buffalo or whatever. Um, but uh, no, it's it's going to be a little unorthodox. But just to have playoff hockey with at least some fans in the building. And in Pittsburgh, I think there's going to be a lot. I, I feel like... Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to maybe be half capacity for the first yeah. round and maybe even more to, more than that if they get to the second round and beyond. So uh, not that it wasn't something to watch last summer in the bubble, but this, you know, having a, a building full of fans for playoff hockey is a completely different beast. Yeah. Well, Josh, thank you so much for giving us your time. We appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you giving your insight onto all the Pittsburgh Penguins talk we had, the Tom Wilson situation and, the playoffs that are coming up. We're all obviously excited for playoff hockey with fans for the first time in two years. But before we let you go, we want you to, to pump anything you got coming up on the athletic. Do you have anything else coming up personally? I know I have your book here that you did with Phil Bork right behind me. It's one of my favorites, but uh, let us know what you have coming up and let our listeners know where they can find you. We broke a record for expletives in that book. Uh, the publisher <laughs> company told me um, what the editor said, uh, but that's, we try to, make it entertaining you know um yeah boy it's funny we haven't had much else to write about other than games because it seems like they're playing games every single day the last mm-hmm. three months so a lot of game coverage but next week there will be all kinds of uh playoff previews and uh, i will tell you my colleague rob rossi and i've been working on an article for quite some time that uh, revolves around the friendship of Sidney crosby and evgeny malkin and uh that should be dropping right before the playoffs start i think mm-hmm. so Hoping people will enjoy that one. But uh, all kinds of good stuff. Jesse Marshall, the analytics, and Sean John Tilly writing Sean things, always a little outside the box, and myself and Rob on the beat. So, uh, yeah, we will have no shortage of us stuff to read. Sounds good. And, you know, Jesse Marshall actually went to the same school as us, so we have a little bit of a connection <laughs> there. Yeah, Point Park. Yeah. Oh, I went to Point Park, too. I will have you know. I'm <laughs> Did you? I did not know that. Yeah. So, uh, I, no, it's how just about a brotherhood that? now. I forgot Jesse went there. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, oh, Jesse's the greatest. Jesse's the nicest human being on earth. I, yeah. But, um, no, it's, uh, it's a, it's a good, uh, collection of, uh, writers that we have on our staff, a bunch of fun guys to work with, except for Rossi when he's in one of his moods, which is <laughs> 90% of the time, but you learn to deal with it. We're like an old married couple. So it's, you just roll your eyes, you know? Well, last time I want to thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. My pleasure guys. Anytime. Thank you.
What's up, everybody? It's Jaren from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benders Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on the show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. For he's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show goaltender Scott Darling, the Eagle himself, Ed Belfo, Brian Bickle, David Boland, Letter Kenny. And the, the show started out with uh, basically a, a beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game, find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts. Tip of the iceberg season two, episode 44. This is going to be such a fun shout outs and call outs segment. Obviously, we finish the show every Thursday with shout outs and call outs, but this one I feel like has something important to talk about. So it's going to be a really fun one. But before we get into that, just one last thank you to Josh Yoey for joining the show. We appreciate him giving us his time and we appreciate him giving us his insight. It was really great to get to talk to him. For sure. It's always fun to get to talk to guys like that. They know so much. They're so knowledgeable about the team that they they could talk us under a rug with how much they yeah. know on the team compared to us. You know what I mean? Yeah, we are just but two individuals talking about the Penguins. We like to say that we're covering them, but those are the play the people actually that are truly yeah. covering them and getting paid to cover them. So we appreciate Josh Yoey for joining us. And let's get into it. Let's not put it off any longer mm-hmm. or watch. Shout outs and call outs. You know what? Let's start with shout outs because I think that's going to be the more tame of the two. What is your first shout? What is your shout out for this week? Uh, my shout out this week. I'm going to shout out the New York Yankee fans. Um, did anyone else see them absolutely destroy the Houston Astros? This I, I said it before that it's a shame the Astros hate tour had to be put off. Um, you know, and yeah, the stadiums aren't as full, but uh, it's still the hate tour this year. At least it's a little tamer. But the the Yankees fans they showed out. They, I mean, the only downside was Bregman just absolutely hitting a bomb while they were booing him. <laughs> Good on you, Bregman, there. But just the rest of the antics, the multiple fu Altuve chance. My favorite one was when they turned their back to the field. The fans, incredible stuff. Good for good on the Yankee fans for being Yankee fans, though. Yeah, did you expect anything less from the fans of the New York Yankees? No, I mean, people think some hockey teams have some passionate fans. The Yankees are a whole nother breed. Well, you have to be considering how expensive it is to get into Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I mean, plus 27 rings doesn't, you know, you got, there's some arrogance that comes with that. Speaking of 27 championships, my shout out goes to the Montreal Canadiens, Cole Caulfield. Back-to-back OT game winners for his first two NHL goals. Of course, everybody was excited for Cole Caulfield to join the NHL and join the Montreal Canadiens since he was drafted back in the first round of the 2019 draft. And before I go any further, no, there is no relation to that of Penguins' (laughs) Jay Caulfield. So we're not going to get Cole Caulfield on the telestration anytime soon. But good on Cole Caulfield. Two overtime game winners. The second one being a huge overtime game winner against the Toronto Maple Leafs in what is hopefully the first round matchup during the 2021 NHL playoffs. But he is going to be a fun player overall to watch in this year's playoffs. He's been pretty good so far for the Habs. Obviously, two overtime game winners doesn't lie. He's had a great year. 2021 Hobie Baker Award winner from Wisconsin. And then, of course, joining the Habs 
being able to score his first goal in overtime, being able to score his second goal in overtime. And like mm-hmm. I said earlier, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, it could not, it doesn't get better than that if you're a Montreal Canadiens rookie. Yeah, he's got to be, he's got to be living the life up there now. It's, uh, he's American, right? I believe or so. I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to double check. Um, yeah, that's a big shot. And that's a huge thing to do for that franchise of all places, too. I mean, you know, the Montreal Canadiens are very much a, uh, their, their fan base. You want to talk about the stingy fan base in hockey? They're pretty stingy when it comes to guys that are not. Um, French Canadian joined their team, joining their team, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, but if you can do that, if you can, ex- you know, begin your career there with some with moves like that, you got put in a good light right away. That's the where you want to be, especially up there in Montreal. So yes, Cole Caulfield is from the United States, and when I said he's had a really good 2021 so far, not only was the Hobie ba- was he the Hobie Baker Award winner from Wisconsin. He was part of the 2021 men's golden ice hockey team for world juniors. So yeah, very good year for Cole Caulfield. And you know, it's going to continue through this season because he's probably going to score a huge goal in the playoffs. (laughs) Probably. Probably sounds about right. Maybe against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who knows? But let's shift over to our call outs. I'm going to give mine first because I think we, we need to leave you for last Horwath. You're the main event. I've, I was going to switch something up on you. In fact, I kind of want to just butt in and say, do you mind if I switch something up on you? Because no, you know what? Go for it. Um, there's been so much you know negativity and just down talking that's been happening the past, not only the past 48 hours, but the past year about. So I want to do two shout outs, but my second shout out does tie into, I'm sure, what your call out is. Okay. Uh, my second shout out, rather than a call out this week, I'm shouting out the New York Rangers for that bomb of a statement first of all so we all know what happened with the tom wilson thing mm-hmm. i'm sure we're all aware unless you've been living under a rock the new york rangers became i think the first team really ever to say to put out a statement and saying that people should be fired from their jobs and that things need to change league-wide it was a hell of a statement that um turned a lot of eyes that it it was different for once. It wasn't just the players or the coaches saying, hey, this Tom Wilson crap needs to end. It's the organization as a whole saying, hey, this crap needs to end. Um, this will for sure get the league's attention because it's not just coaches or players saying it in front of media. It's them putting it out, not asked about it, just doing it. Just saying, hey, shit needs to change. With him specifically, with the with the Department of Player Safety specifically, and with the league specifically, good on them for doing that and for really setting a I'd say setting a standard and change maybe changing the way these teams react to this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. When they when teams don't like the way the league handled a situation, they can, you know, voice their opinion as an entire organization. I mean, we've seen what Zabinajad already had to say about it. We've seen what all of the Rangers had to say. And we've seen, like I mentioned before, so many people, so many more people than usual coming out of the woodwork to really discuss and talk about this Tom Wilson situation because um, it's kind of taken over the hockey world again, hasn't it? it? It really has. And it seems like it does every time Tom Wilson does something. But we talked about it on the East Division Roundtable, the second edition 
of the East Division Roundtable for the Hockey Podcast Network. We talked about that on Tuesday night. And Andy Hammond of the Broadway Boys, he covers the New York Rangers. And he said, listen, normally the New York Rangers Mm -hmm. are the original six team. They are cookie cutter, which means they will not make any statements about anything controversial because that is their role. They are an original six team that likes to stay quiet and keep their pristine reputation. But here, this was something that surprised him as well. He said that on that podcast. He said, listen, this is way out of left field for them because they don't usually make statements like this. He said the statement a couple of years ago when they said, we're going to rebuild. That was a surprise. And this was a hundred times more surprising than that. So yes, definitely out of nowhere from the Rangers organization. And it is a statement that is going to grab everybody's attention across all 32 teams mm-hmm. in the league right now. Yeah. And I, I think everyone was kind of waiting for the Rangers to be fined for it. They're the New York Rangers. They can afford a fine. Yeah. Okay? Plus, what the league's just gonna find they the league probably can't find a team for releasing a statement like that. No, they can. They find coaches for saying stuff in post-game press yeah. conferences. They could probably find a team just as easily. Just but you shouldn't in that situation because and they shouldn't be finding coaches because they're voicing their opinions. They're asked, especially in a media in a media availability thing, when a coach is asked a question, what do you want them to do? Well, in that sense, the league doesn't want them to throw the league under the bus. They want to keep the league at this level where it's untouched and unchallenged. And that's why they find coaches for saying stuff that goes against the league. That's why John Tortorella has paid more money to the league than he has in taxes in the past five years, because he says stuff about the league and they find him for it. And that's what they're probably going to do. Might be behind closed doors to the New York Rangers. But if they do that, I'm sure it'll get out anyway. Well, guess what? They made a statement that turned a lot of heads and it was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Go into your call out now because the, the positivity train has left the station. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I don't listen to the podcast as much anymore, but Steve Dangle had a really good tweet when it came to the New York Rangers thing. He quote tweeted it and said, one, they're right. Mm-hmm. Two, they're never going to get a call to go their way in the next 20 years. Three, the league is going to find them. And four, they're right. And yeah, he's 100% correct on all four of his points. But my call out goes to another Canadian team. My call out goes to the Winnipeg Jets. They're about to ruin the first Habs-Leafs playoff matchup in over 40 years. The last time the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs have faced off in the playoffs was 1979. We were primed and ready for that about a week ago it was pretty much set in stone that it was going to be Habs Leafs first round, which would have been so much fun. And it still could be. It's it's a possibility. Except the Winnipeg Jets are 2-8-0 and zero in their last 10 games, including seven straight regulation losses, <laughs> which has brought them back to tied with Montreal for third in the division. By the time this comes out, both teams will have played another game. So Montreal might be ahead of Winnipeg by the end of this, and Winnipeg might have ended their seven-game losing streak. Now, I understand that the Jets are playing without Nikolai Ehlers, which is a really big blow to their forward core because he is one of their top players. But come on, don't ruin this for the rest of us trying to watch a Habs-Lee's first round because I understand that the Jets are struggling defensively. They're kind of coming back down to reality defensively. Connor Hellebuck has pretty much played his way out of a Vezina conversation for this season. I understand Nikolai Ehlers is gone. I understand P.L. Dubois is not 
everything that he was advertised to be when they traded Patrick Laine for him. But there was a reason this team was almost in first place in the division two and a half weeks ago. Now they're going to be in fourth place. They're still going to make the playoffs because they're so far ahead of the Calgary Flames and it's pretty much impossible for the Flames to catch up. But do not ruin this Leafs-Habs first round for me because this is one of the things I'm looking forward to. Between Leafs-Habs and the all-Florida first round, those are two of the most fun matchups that we could get in the first round of the 2021 NHL playoffs. And the Jets are just about to ruin that by completely pulling a Pittsburgh Penguins, I guess I could say, from last year. Because the Penguins played themselves out of a top four spot in the East last year. And now the Winnipeg Jets are playing themselves out of a top three position in the North Division. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about in that locker room about what the hell is going on there. Yeah. Blake Wheeler apparently doesn't play defense. Wasn't he up for a Selkie like two years ago? Blake Wheeler's also had a lot of injuries to deal with this season, I'm pretty sure. That's so wild what's going on over there. I mean, there's got to be something more because, I mean, their captain decided not to come back last year in Dustin Bufflin. Um, You know, Patrick Laine, something happened there, obviously. So he had to get traded out after a game. There's something weird and fishy going on there. It's an interesting situation that, you know, when you bring up the defensive play, you're totally right. What the hell happened? I mean, yeah, it was just Neil Pionk for a little while, but now this whole team isn't playing defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their defense was questionable last year, but now it's just nothing. Hopefully they can figure something out because – I really want to have Leafs first round. I really want that rival to be renewed. That was the whole point of having a whole North division. Well, that wasn't the whole point. Obviously COVID was the whole point, but that was one of the big pluses of having the North division and all Canadian division is it will spark these rivalries again. And it has between the Habs and the Leafs. They've had some pretty good matchups. Like I said, the Cole Caulfield overtime winner on, I believe it was Monday, but at the same time, it would be a lot nicer if we got it in the playoffs, but I'll step off my soapbox for now mm-hmm. on the North Division. Horwat, I think we're ready for the main event. What is your call out? Yep, it's going to be the entire Tom Wilson situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll try and keep this brief, really, because... You don't have to. That's fine. I mean, I didn't want to... <laughs> when it first happened, I didn't want to give this situation the time of day because it's same shit, different day with them. I really didn't want to... Uh, delve into the whole thing but seeing kind of everything that has happened since then um that more details keep coming out of other things like um details from the league or like from inside the league of why um, george peros didn't want to suspend tom wilson for that uh brandon carlo hit and that batman himself said uh no you're suspending him for something because that's ridiculous um and i think that's kind of why the league didn't really have an action against the Rangers because mm-hmm. Batman himself is probably thinking you're right guys. You know, if Peros is the one that, you know, himself did not want to suspend Wilson for the first hit. Um, and then we're assuming he's the one that didn't want to do it again. The whole timeline of events here has been wild. This has been a top, this, Tom Wilson thing. He's been doing this shit since 2013. I think I saw this is his first run in with the, the Department of Player Safety. How do you make it seven years? Seven? Eight. 
eight. How do you make it that long? That many run-ins? For the newest action. It's not so much what I'm saying that the whole repeat offender thing um, was taken away because it was. That's nonsense. It shouldn't be. It's... I'm just so out of words for it that it's disappointing that the 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 Washington Capitals, Tom Wilson and his and his players, um, make him look like the victim. Josh Joey made a great point that when Matt Cook was flying off the rails in his situation, Ray Shearer and Mary Lemieux sat him down, said you need to change your game, and then that and then Rob Rossi interviewed Matt Cook in um, a phenomenal piece in the Athletic, um that Matt Cook of all people called Tom Wilson predatory. It's getting to the point of, I'm not mad at Tom Wilson anymore. I mean, yeah, I am because he's doing dumb, 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 dumb things that he shouldn't be doing. He should be, he should be having, he should have more respect for the game. Like a lot of the Rangers players were saying, but there's, he's not getting the book thrown at him the way he should be. Mm -hmm. That's the issue here. That is the issue that, that the league and more specifically, his own team aren't telling him, hey, you're a great hockey player. He is. Let, let's even, as Penguin fans, admit, when the hitting thing and the whole bullshit hits, like whenever those aren't happening, he is a good to great hockey player. He's fifth on the team in scoring. You can't, you're going to screw yourself out of playing and really contributing as a player if you keep this shit up. That's what it is. It's that you are. It's the Nazem Kadri effect. Whenever he, um, who's to say he was really effective in Toronto, but he he was a good player that, you know, basically voluntarily took himself out of games because he couldn't control himself. And what happens? Who knows? You know, maybe if Kadri's playing, maybe there's some weird butterfly effect, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, win that series, going to win a couple series rather than him being suspended. When a great player is off the ice, your team is worse. That's how it goes. And for Tom Wilson, good player. When he is off the ice, it's not good for the team. That hit was, I mean, it wasn't even a hit. It was just a whole melee. And that's the problem. There should never be a melee in the NHL, really. There's post-whistle scrums, yes, but it has to get to a certain extent to be classified as a melee. And that's what it was on Monday night. Here's the thing. The NHL ended up fining Tom Wilson, $5,000, the maximum allowable under the CBA for a roughing penalty. And that was for the bunny rabbit punches to the back of Pavel Buchnevich, whether it was the head or whether it was kind of the shoulder area, which is where I thought he hit him. Okay. That that's $5,000. That makes sense. That's fine. I don't, that's a, that's a solid punishment handed down by the nhl player safety for what that specific action was but what it led to that's where i think they failed the nhl and that's where i think they failed the washington capitals and that's where i think they failed artemi panarin yeah because as i mentioned on that roundtable episode and we were all pretty diplomatic in our answers there i'm not sure i'm going to be as diplomatic here just because thinking about it more the way that Artemi Panarin went in there, yes, he did jump on the back of Tom Wilson. And yes, that is a post-whistle scrum where Tom Wilson has not caught himself in much trouble over his career. Most of the trouble he's been in is 
hits during the pace of play and during the field of play, but it becomes something different than a scrum whenever you turn around, use both hands to forcibly basically throw Artemi Panarin from the standing position flat onto his head. That's when that changes from this is a scrum to this is something that is actionable. And I'm not exactly sure if he got the 10 minutes for roughing with Panarin, but that's not enough. If that's what if that's what his penalty was, the 10-minute major or 10-minute misconduct or whatever for the roughing with Artemi Panarin, that's not enough in my eyes. I thought he should have been suspended the rest of the regular season mm-hmm. and brought back at the beginning of the playoffs. If that. I, I still think that that's what it should be. I think he should have been forced to miss the rest of the regular season and come back at the beginning of the playoffs. When I initially saw it, I said the first round of the playoffs as well, but coming from where the league is coming from in this and watching Emily Kaplan from ESPN kind of explain where the league is coming from on Scott Van Pelt's show, which honestly was the first true sign of me being very happy with ESPN. I was the first true sign of me liking ESPN's coverage of the NHL. I liked that. But after seeing that, no, I think the first round might be a little much, but it's still the fact that he is being enabled not only by the league, not only by the inaction of the NHL player safety, but by his teammates, mm-hmm. by his organization, mm-hmm. and more importantly, by the other teams. Yeah, not You don't need to go out there and be the Wild West. People are saying Colton Orr is going to be there in Wednesday night's game. He's going to be in the arena. Who gives a shit? What is that going to do? Yeah. What is he going to do? Verbally abuse him? Tom Wilson doesn't care. He's going to flex at that, and that's fine. But... It's in Tom Wilson's head that he's untouchable at this point, that he can do something like that and get fined pocket change. Mm -hmm. So it's up to the league a little bit. It's more up to the Washington Capitals. And if they're not going to punish Wilson, if they're not going to take him out of games, then it doesn't affect the Capitals and they don't have a need to look at Tom Wilson and say anything different. That's why they support him because it hasn't hurt their organization. So it was a rough play. It was unfortunate that Artemi Panarin is now out for the season. It is unfortunate that a star player in this league was crushed like that, but it is also the same fact that it is the NHL and he chose to go in there. I don't think Artemi Panarin was trying to start a fight with Tom Wilson in that. I think it was post-whistle scrum, try to pull everybody apart. I got my guy and his guy happened to be Tom Wilson, who he was seeing red. We've seen in Pittsburgh, Evgeny Malkin has seen red on several occasions. He tried to decapitate somebody from the Flyers at one point. Yeah. We don't can like you can't condone no when that happens. So why are we trying to condone it when Tom Wilson does that? If you're the Washington Capitals, nobody else in the league is, but the Washington Capitals are trying to condone it, and so are their fans. And listen, you mentioned it. Tom Wilson is a fantastic hockey player. There's he's not on the top line of the Washington Capitals because he needs to protect Alex Ovechkin. Nobody needs to protect Alex Ovechkin. Nope. The reason he's up there is because he is a premier player in this league. He is a great hockey player. He is a 20-goal scorer. He is a 50-point player. That's why he's there. Mm-hmm. He is, as I think somebody in that roundtable described him, a unicorn. Size, speed, skill. He does that better than basically anybody. Yeah, I. Yeah, he totally does. And I have two more notes to add on to this, one of them being from the roundtable is when, Troll, or when uh, Andy Hammond asked Troll, you know, does it feel like, you know, people are just coming after you? Is that why you get so defensive of it? Um, 
and Troll had the response of saying every time. First, that's where I stopped and kind of thought to myself, your answer for this question should not should not start with every time. Because why is there an every time? Because he is a repeat offender that continues to not learn his lesson. If it was just, if you were just bringing up a moment from the past, you're like, yeah, that one time that everyone was going after him. Yeah, I defended him because he's my guy. But the fact that he had to say every time means that he's not learning his lesson, that he's continuing to do the same bullshit that um, a majority of fans, league people, and probably other players say is not right and is not good. But it's not the right people telling him to take it down. And my second note, unless you have something to say about that. Nope, go for it. Okay, my second note is completely wild and out of left field. The New York Rangers have fired John Davidson and Jeff Gordon. Their coach and their general manager. Um, their their coach isn't either of those players, either of those people. Well, two guys in the front office are gone from the Rangers, um, according to Elliot Friedman. David Quinn is their head coach. Uh, okay, but still, um, what an interesting, interesting turn of events here. Um, there is what it's according to Elliot Friedman. There is word that. Uh, Dolan, I don't know his first name. James Dolan. James Dolan, the owner, was just unhappy with the Rangers season, which, by the way, how the hell are you unhappy with that season? You guys are a rebuilding team that did very well. Uh, but, yeah, wow. talk about a wrench into things. Yeah, um, those two, I believe, are that head of players. Yes. Head of, head of development. Yeah, and the general manager. I know Gorton is the head, of, the general manager yeah. of the team. They've done a pretty good job with one yeah. of the fastest rebuilds in like nhl history so and listen dolan does not really give that many shits about the new york rangers because he also owns the new york knicks and he Uh, cares more about the knicks but that you would have to think that it's not because he's unhappy with the season for the new york rangers it has something to do with the whole Wilson thing it would have to because they've done a really good job up to this point with this team so i don't know it's out of left field for sure yeah i'm sure more will come out about it i mean just reading freeman's tweets he says i don't believe that davidson and gordon had anything to do with with the statement that Mm -hmm. they released yesterday that was um dolan driven which that makes sense um However, there it you know he falls up with. However, there is word Dolan was unhappy with the New York Rangers season and wanted to make a change. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. More yeah. more will come out from that for sure. It's just more to the story that stems from this incident with Tom Wilson. Yeah, and oh man, is it what's everyone doing tonight at seven? <laughs> yeah to be completely honest that is going to be must watch television at this point oh, i don't my. think there's going to be much response from the rangers and who knows maybe even gordon and who was the other guy's name i can't remember right now davidson davidson yeah gordon and davidson maybe they were fired because they refused to bring up a, a thug to, to go and up could... against them maybe maybe dolan looked at that and said you don't want to protect the star player that i they invested so much money and he got hurt there needs to be an answer and those guys said you know what why would i do that and maybe he <laughs> i it's, mean it's it's james dolan he could he could yeah. have fired them for burning his toast the wrong way like we yeah. don't even know but it, it is an interesting story to keep an eye on and i'm sure we will 
But to hearken it back to the whole Tom Wilson thing, what did you think that he deserved suspension-wise? Because obviously, from what you've said, you feel like he deserved to be suspended from the league. What did you think a a reasonable suspension would be for what his actions were on Monday? Um, Because I firmly believe that you shouldn't be able to, you know, eliminate the repeat offender thing. I'm stacking all of his offenses up and saying, what what was his last longest one? Like 20 games? 20. Well, I'm adding on to that then, at least 25. And that's including, you know, let's say the Capitals play over 25 games in the playoffs. Fine. That's fine. He could play game 26, whatever that may be. If I'm even doing math correctly, can they reach game 26? They can. Yep, 28 is like the total. Yeah. <laughs> if that digs into next season, so be it. It's the whole – my. So you're my, basically saying he should be done for the 2020-21 season. He should, be re- he should return next year. Yeah, pretty much, because my thing is the whole re- – in this whole Tom Wilson saga from the beginning of this season – um, the repeat offender thing, getting rid of that shouldn't – it shouldn't be a thing. Losing your repeat offender status shouldn't be a thing. So that's kind of what, where I'm coming from with this. Um, you know, were these hits, you know, more harsh than what got him 20 games? No. But you took a star player out for the season. What if the Rangers had still been in a fight for a playoff spot? Now you're still, there's a lot of what ifs. There is a lot of what ifs, but still, it's the repeat offender thing. It's the fact that he has this reputation. And you could say he got suspended on reputation last time all you want. Well, guess what? Don't have that reputation. Yeah. Well, the problem here is not, I mean, the problem is clearly Tom Wilson, obviously, but the problem here is the NHL Department of Player Safety because any legal system, uh-huh. whether it is a sport department of player safety, whether it is United States legal system. It is founded upon going back and looking at prior things that happened. It is founded upon. There's a word I'm looking for again. I keep losing random words, (laughs) but it is founded upon looking at previous cases and building off of that. And this is what the NHL department of player safety doesn't do. They suspended him for seven games unjustly, in my opinion, earlier in the season when he hit Smith or Brandon Carlo from Boston Mm -hmm. because they suspended him for being Tom Wilson yet said that his rap sheet has kind of reset the statute of limitations because he behaved for two years, reset all that. And then they went out and suspended him seven games for being Tom Wilson for lack of a better term. And then they turn around when he does something a little bit more egregious because it isn't between the whistles. It is after the whistle. There's a scrum and there's what Tom Wilson did. And there's a line that he crossed And that's why I think he should have been suspended in this instance. He shouldn't have necessarily been suspended for the Brendan Carlo thing. There are some hits that he has had that he rightly should be suspended for. The Zach Aston Reese hit, definitely, because he left his feet and made only contact with the head. The Oscar Sunfist hit that he had in the preseason, definitely, because one, it's a preseason game. game. And two, you came out of nowhere to completely, basically end Oscar Sunfist's next two months of living. He did not come back for a couple of months because he was hit that hard Mm -hmm. tom wilson is a good player tom wilson is borderline a great player in this league if he was able to take that stuff away nobody would have a problem with that and for ryan whitney from spitting chicklets what he said yes every team would love to have him on their team i would love to have him as a pittsburgh penguin and for everybody that says they wouldn't take your blinders off take them off because he is a great player in this league if he was on a line with Sidney crosby it would be great 
It would be a fantastic line. Him, Crosby, and Gensel as a line. Think about that for a second. Take your blinders off and think about that for a second. Horwat, I know you can, but some of the listeners I know we're going to have pushback to this. Yeah. But seriously, I, I want to get off my soapbox because I've talked about this topic over the past two days for far too long. But what he did on Monday is unacceptable to me. Do I think that he is beyond rehabilitation? No. Do I think that he needs to be banned from the league? No. no. I think he deserved more of a penalty than what he got, and that's what makes me upset more than anything is that, and I said it on the round table as well, the the fact that linesmen refuse to get into scuffles whenever it does appear that people are going to get injured, that also bothers me. But that is a different topic for an entirely different day. Yeah, it's... You said the Tom, the every team would like to have every everyone would like to have Tom Wilson on their team. I would if he wasn't doing dumb shit like this. Yeah, leave it at that because, like I said, he's a great player. You can't be a great player in the press box. That's I think that's the perfect way to end it. Unless you have anything else, I think we're about to end this show on that crazy note of about 15 minutes of Tom Wilson talk. Sorry, we left you, we uh, kept you around for so long. Um, Wild stuff happening. Sorry if I rambled. I'm really just tired from this vaccine, man. I think both of us rambled a lot during this episode, but the Penguins have two games left in the regular season, trying to solidify a division championship, which would be great, but more importantly, trying to get momentum going into the postseason as they're chasing their sixth franchise Stanley Cup. I actually have an article coming out on Friday about the sadness that is the fact that the Buffalo Sabres and the Pittsburgh Penguins have not been rivals throughout the Crosby era because that is a complete another tragedy. And you will learn why if you read that article on my mm-hmm. Substack. I'll post it on Iceberg Podcast as well as my own. Horat, do you have anything coming up for the hockey writers that we should know about? Ooh, um, oh, yeah, I'm doing tonight. I mean, so you'll have missed it by now if you're hearing this tomorrow. Um, <laughs> doing a Hockey Writers Live panel, which is the... I believe it's the division leaders panel. I have to get all the details still. It's in a couple hours. Okay. But yeah, I'm doing that. And of course I'll be writing at least once a week. Um, more, more personal news. I mean, I'm moving. So <laughs> who knows when I'll have time to write and who knows when I'll have time to record with you next, but we'll definitely have an episode coming out soon. Don't worry. We will have plenty of content for you guys with the NHL playoffs just around the corner. Two games left in the regular season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. One last thank you to Josh Yoey for joining the show. That's going to be it. We'll see you guys next week. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.